I met her at Newton Center. It's something of a birthday ritual that we talk about all the time, and most of the time we don't get to pull off. But this past summer, my sister Carol and I finally were able to pull off the birthday lunch that we always talk about doing. Her birthday's in the summer, mine's in the winter, and so we find this time to try to get together. But we met at Newton Center. I don't know if you've been there, but if you go to the center of Newton Center, there's a square and surrounding that square are shops and some cafes and some restaurants. It's really kind of this beautiful little spot along this traffic and this hubbub that's going on in the midst of all of that. But there's this, there's this square. And it's sort of something like a little bit of Eden in the middle of the city. Along one side, there's this beautiful community sidewalk garden. I think it looks like this. I think we have a picture of that. There it is. And that only captures part of it. It stretches along the way. And, but, but it's maintained by the neighborhood and by the, the people and the citizens. And it's absolutely stunning. And the picture doesn't do it any justice. And there, right in the smack of the city, is a little piece of Eden. But what drew me in What caught my eye was the bench. The bench. I probably should say the benches. I walked around that square and I saw all kinds of people sitting and chatting. I I saw some parents trying to corral some children. It was lunchtime, so they were trying to corral some children for some noontime lunch on one of these benches. That was quite interesting to watch. I saw a woman who looked like a medical professional, maybe a nurse who was sitting quietly and looked like in deep thought, eating her lunch. I saw this one young couple over here on one side of the square, and they were just kind of looking at each other like young couples do and talking. And then on this side, I saw an elderly couple sitting. And then I saw people that were milling about that square. But it was those benches that drew me in. And I felt like the benches were offering me an invitation. Come. Come and sit with me. I felt like they were saying. So as I waited for my sister to arrive, I walked toward the benches. And it made me think of a couple things. It made me wonder, I wonder how many people have sat on these benches with the cares of the world upon them. I wonder how many people sat on those benches with their victories, with their sorrows, and with their joys. I I wondered... But then I noticed something very distinguishing about the benches, very distinguishing about them. All of them, most of them, some of them, were dedicated to someone. Maybe, maybe someone lost or someone loved. But then I noticed this. There were these small Brass plates screwed into that wood. 
And they told stories. Stories like this. Go ahead. Next slide. Don't wait to say I love you until the moment is grand. I wonder if someone just had someone they really love die. And they said, don't wait. Or this one. I have the world's largest collection of sea cells, which I keep scattered on all the beaches of the world. <laughs> Isn't that great? My wife just put her hand up. You know, she thinks she owns all the she cells on the beaches of all the lands. And that's, I love that. And then this one. They sat on this bench, they ate ice cream. He got down on one knee, she said yes. According to this, they just celebrated their 13th wedding anniversary or their first ice cream together, one or the other, right? How about this one? Meet here, same time next year. I, sh I, I showed my sister that one. <laughs> we really got to do this. And then I saw this one that really spoke to me about someone searching for something. And I wonder, look what it says. This is the world, the kingdom I was looking for. What is the world? What is the kingdom? you're looking for. That's what it asked me. But then there was this one. Be kind. For everyone you meet is fighting a hard battle. It's that last one that caused me to wrestle and struggle with so many thoughts about this world that we live in and this present moment that we're living in that you and I have found ourselves living in. This world we live in as those who dare to try to seek first the kingdom of God. So where's all this going, you probably wonder. You say, what is our pastor doing now? My honest answer to you is I don't know where it's all going. But I do want you to imagine an invitation from Jesus to us. I want you to imagine Jesus. And you're going to need your imagination today. I want you to imagine Jesus saying, come. Sit with me. Imagine Jesus doing that. After all, this is often the posture that Jesus the Messiah would often use when he would teach people. In fact, what we refer to as the greatest sermon of all time, the Sermon on the Mount, begins in Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, and it says that the crowds were coming from everywhere, but then it says this, and it says, and Jesus sat down and then it says he began to teach his disciples. We sat down. We see it quite regularly of Jesus. And I wonder if Jesus is saying to me, to you, to us, come. Come. Sit with me. 
take a pause, stop, and think. In some ways, I'd like to take a bench and put it right in the middle of Nashua. Or maybe in my front yard, or maybe right out here. Stick a bench there and put a sign in the ground that says, conversations available here. That'd be something, wouldn't it? In some ways, I'd like to have conversations with some people in my life, in my world. And if I'm going to be honest, have courage to have conversations with people in my life and in my world. But since we're not going to do that, since I don't want to get like arrested for doing something I'm not supposed to downtown Nashua, I decided to try and do that with us on Sunday mornings. Considering some things about living this Christian life in what often seems like, and I don't think this is an exaggeration, an unhinged world. I'm not sure where all of this is going to go. I, I have some basic outlines, some basic ideas, and it's still unfolding in my heart and mind. But I do know where I want to begin. I would ask you today, in your mind, to find your bench. Where's your bench? Do you have it in your mind? Is it, is it by the beach? Is it in your backyard? Is it in a quiet room? Is it, is it in a busy cafe on some square? Is it by a lake? Now, find your bench. Remember our imaginations. Jesus gave them to us for a reason. Imagine your bench. And now, I want you to sit on your bench. And as you sit there, I would like you to do one thing. I'd like you to see what's in your hand right now. Can you see it? It's a brass plate. And I'd like you to take this brass plate and before you, as you sit on your bench, I'd like you to fix the brass plate on your bench. But here's the question. What are you going to write on your brass plate? Is it a prayer? Is it a memory? Is it a verse of scripture you've tried to build your life upon? Is it a quote that defines you? Is it a cry for help, a plea for grace? Maybe you want to put a shout of joy on your brass plate and fix it to your bench. But just for a moment, it's just us. We've put pause and gathered as his people. Stop. Listen. Look. What are you going to write? Believe it or not, I've 
been asking myself that question. I think I have in my mind what I want to write on my brass plate. But we're now right on your brass plate what it is that you want fixed on your bench. What do you want people who are walking by, if they walk by, if they could see your bench, what would you want them to see? What would you want people to think about what you would write on your bench if they could see your bench? You see, in you, in me, in all of us are longings and desires and hopes and dreams and memories and moments. So much more than what we see. Some of those things are so good, they make us smile and laugh. You know those things like when someone says something a certain way or acts a certain way and we just kind of chuckle. <laughs> those gifts of life. And then there's those things that stab us with sadness and grief and pain and heartache and anger. We are containers of dreams that are hoped for, and sometimes they are realized. And we hold aspirations that just are out of our reach. We are made of choices that we regret, that cannot be undone. And we're made of choices that we're so glad we're, we made. But in a world like yours and mine and ours, it just seems like so much is pressing in upon us, demanding our attention, sometimes demanding our allegiance, distracting us, keeping us moving, occupying every square inch of the territory of our minds. And it steals time from the bench. We don't have time, we tell ourselves. We are way too busy. The bench, I don't have time. We think about that thing that's distracting us and we say, this is much more important than giving time to the bench. Or, or we know how important it is and we say, you know what, I, I, will I will do that later. I will do it later. And we use that to salve our uneasiness of awareness that we're not on the bench. It calls to mind a story in the Bible of Jesus hanging out at the house of his best friends. He, he shows up at their home. They are Lazarus, Martha, and Mary in a little town called Bethany. And Scripture tells us that he was walking along and he shows up at their house. And this is what the passage says. It says that there was a woman there named Martha who opened her home to him. What a beautiful gift of hospitality. We have, we have lost the gift of hospitality in our world. Amen? It's either amen or oh me because we have. 
But here's Martha opening up her home. And then she starts getting all that stuff ready because hospitality is costly. So she's trying to get the house together, but she has this sister, and her sister has a problem. All she wants to do is sit at the feet of Jesus who is sitting in the room. And this is what the Scripture says. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations. So she looks at Jesus and she says, Jesus, you got to do something about my sister. How many times in my life have I wanted to say, Jesus, you got to do something about one of my five sisters or my brother? Now that it's recorded, I'll probably hear from them. <laughs> Tell her to help me. And Jesus says, oh, I love Jesus' response. You've got to love his response. Martha, Martha. I, I, I kind of see it like this. Martha, Martha, Martha. Now listen, he says, you are worried and upset about many things. It's probably not true of you, but I know for me, I'm worried and upset about many things, many times, that I have to continue to give to him. Jesus says, but few things are needed, indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. I don't think we should be too hard on Martha. Not at all. Too often we, we kind of have this view of Martha that she's some kind of spiritual slacker. But in truth, she, she had the gift of hospitality. Here's Martha's problem. She's like you and me. She's distracted. Listen to these words. Just listen to these words. We wonder why we have a hard time finding God, receiving more of him, feeling like we are overflowing with life, the EMT who leaves the scene of a terrible accident races to get his Bible study group but wonders afterward why he couldn't find God there. The school teacher who comes home exhausted from a day of hurting a riotous classroom tries to be present to her own child but can't seem to find the right gear to do so. The modern pastor who needs to be a real estate expert in one meeting, a brilliant trauma counselor in the next, and a caring friend over lunch only to shift gears into the role of a savvy corporate CEO for the meeting that follows, how can they hear God? We are focusing our souls through multiple gear changes each day, each hour, and after years of this, we wonder why we aren't even sure what to say when a friend genuinely asks us, how are you? We don't really know. We aren't sure what we feel anymore. We live at one speed. Go. And all the subtleties of human experience have been forced into one state of being. All the subtleties of what it means to actually be human in the image of God are now forced into this one State of being distracted. And then John Eldridge says this, Mercy, 
No soul was meant to live like this. What sort of madness have we come to accept as normal when a one-minute pause with God feels like a luxury? What sort of madness have we come to accept as normal? Think about our world. What sort of madness have we come to accept as normal? What sort of madness have I come to accept as normal? It is always easy to talk about out there. Right about now, I'm envisioning my granddaughter Olivia, who's two and three quarters or so. And she's picked up this thing that she's watched the adults around her do. Right about now, if she understood this sermon, she'd go like this. Hmm. We babysat her on Saturday, or on Friday, and there was a number of times when she went, Pops, hmm. Hmm. Where in this picture do you find yourself? Do I find myself? It's so easy to get lost along the way in a world like ours. Maybe it's different for you, but the truth is the world can be a savage place for the soul that says, I am going to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to it. It's another good reason to keep in mind those words that we shared last week, a paraphrase of Bilbo Baggins. It's a dangerous business going out your door with Jesus. You step onto the road, and if you don't keep your feet, there's no knowing where he might sweep you off to. It's a dangerous business living for Jesus in an unhinged world. It's another reason we need to think about the bench. I have a question. Have you figured out what the bench is? Say this scripture with me together. Next slide. Guard your heart more than anything else because the source of your life flows from it. Let's say it again. Guard your heart more than anything else because the source of your life flows from it. Heart. Heart. That's what brass plates screwed into wooden benches revealed. What we saw on those brass plates were the heart. Jesus said it this way, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. You know that we live inside out. Ray Ortland said it this way, life does not flow from the outside in, it flows from the inside out. We need our hearts continuously filled with the ever-fresh life of Christ. 
because life flows from within us to outside us. So when we try to pile everything on externally that we think will fix us internally, it's a fool's errand. I love the way Jesus put it. Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. And then it goes on, John. The gospel writer goes on and says, in saying this, he was speaking about the Holy Spirit. Living in us. Flowing in us. Ortland goes on and he says, your heart has a hunger. Your heart has a hunger, a thirst that only Christ can satisfy. We're going to try all we can to try to satisfy the hunger of our heart without Jesus. Sometimes we even cloak it in very religious terms. I know we typically say, well, you know, we do that with money or we do that with addiction or we do that. That's true. Sometimes we also do it with religion. Your heart has a hunger, a thirst that only Christ can satisfy. And he can, overflowingly, forever, freely for you. So come. Come as you are. Come moment by moment and drink in him. Welcome to the bench. Over these next few weeks, we're going to meet here at the bench. We're going to ask the Holy Spirit to help us look at our hearts. Because it all begins inside and then flows out. Next week, I think we're going to ask the question, should we resurrect sin from the dead? You can write that one down. Should we resurrect sin from the dead? It's a thought. Somewhere along the line, we're going to talk about why we need to keep Christianity weird. And at some point, in some way, we're going to ask a question. Why are we so afraid of those people who are not like us? Why? And we're just going to see where we go with the Holy Spirit as we all come together with our benches. But for now, find your bench. Find your bench. And on your bench, Hear the invitation of Jesus. Come. Sit with me. Come. Bring your heart to me. Not what you want everyone to think. But what you really are. Our worship team is going to come and we're going to sing in closing. Here's my heart, Lord. And as we sing that this morning,
I'm really aware that this message is probably being applied in different ways to different people. But here's the most important thing about this entire, let's just call it a series. I think it's probably more of a journey than a sermon series. Here's what's really important. Own your own bench. Don't point your finger to all the benches that are around you, whether the benches in the world or the benches of others in the church or your family. Own your own bench. And if we own our own benches, there is hope for what grace is actually intended for, which is transformation. Not just a get out of hell free card, but grace that actually changes me. And I don't know about you, but I need some transformation. Anyone else? Anyone else need anyone else need the touch of God? So this song. It's just about saying, here's my bench. What is it that you've written on your brass plaque? Maybe you don't know yet, but what would you write? What would you want the world to see if they could see your bench? And what do you need Jesus to do so that you can write that down? Let's stand together. said he's good we just said that we said he's love we just said that so what that means is we can trust him with our bench it's going to be uncomfortable but we can trust him with our bench so as we go from this place. May we go in the grace and the peace of God. May we go with hearts held open to him and may we go owning our bench and taking him up on his invitation to come to him, to live with him, to be changed by him. Lord, we go, and we go with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Greet one another as you go. You're dismissed.